0: Many of us know that there are concerns about children who are neglected and abandoned around the world. And for a long time throughout human history, that has been the main concern and probably still is today. But for most of the people in my community, there seems to be something very different that is actually holding their children and themselves back. And that's what we're gonna talk about in today's episode. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, welcome back to The Parenting Junkie Show. I am so thrilled you're tuning in to join me today. I know there are so many other things you could be doing, so thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with me here today. I hope you will find incredible value from this episode, and if you do, it would mean the world to me if you could just send it over to a friend. Um, You know, word of mouth is the best way to spread the word around, and it can really help others when you do. Um, And it, of course, means the world to me. So thank you. Um, And thank you to everybody who leaves a review on iTunes, who follows me over on Instagram, on Pinterest, uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, (laughs) all the different social media platforms. We are so very grateful. And me and my team enjoy... Our relationships with each and every one of you really deeply on a day-to-day level. I know many of you are flies on the wall and not actually posting or commenting or liking or whatever, but I do want to call you to arms today to leave a review over on iTunes if you feel so called. I know it takes a couple minutes, but it makes the world of difference and it's one way um, that we get to interact with you. So today we're going to be talking about something that comes up all the time you guys this is maybe one of the most common things that i deal with in my coaching sessions um it's really crazy to me how intense this problem is and how underspoken about it is right it's really something that goes under the radar because it's really a first world problem in every kind of way so most of us are aware of, you know, the problems of underparenting, right? Things like neglect, abandonment, uh, lack of attachment or of secure attachment at least. Um, you know, parents who are really just not there, checked out for whatever reason, mental health, addictions, you know, financial stresses, all the different reasons. And that is something that we so don't want for our children. And the trouble with pendulums is that sometimes when they swing from one direction, They swing too far in the other direction. And the truth is that the biggest problem that I often see with my clientele is over parenting. Over parenting is, you know, a form of parenting that it has lots of different labels, and of course it's different for each person, but some people call it helicoptering when you're constantly hovering over your child. Uh, other people will refer to snow blowing, right? Where you're kind of clearing the path for the child. For a lot of parents who learn about peaceful parenting and conscious parenting, it becomes about creating this kind of perfect, and it often falls into perfectionistic uh, life for their kids, when no one talks to their child in a way that isn't, you know, one hundred percent conscious, and maybe their marriages suffer because their partners can't stand up to these high, high standards, um, and the parents themselves often feel incredibly anxious because they can't hire a babysitter, they can't trust grandma and grandpa, um, they themselves are, you know, really intensely throughout the day trying to craft and create this experience for their children where there's no discomfort. Often overparenting comes along with permissiveness permissive parenting is characterized by being really supportive of kids so being kind being warm being fuzzy playing with them buying them things uh, spending a lot of quality time together giving them a lot of love really you know really loving on them And it's also characterized by low expectations. So things like not following through on boundaries, not setting clear limits, um, you know, allowing children to kind of walk all over us, bite us, kick us, hit us when, of course, that's not what we want, but we don't really know what to do. We don't want to raise our voice. We don't want to get angry. We don't want to scare them. So we don't do anything. Uh, Or we start bribing them, right? I'll give you a lollipop if you do this. I'll let you watch. I'll let you have a toy. I'll buy you something, right? Or please. With them, oh don't do that, that makes me sad. All sorts of emotional manipulations like oh mommy's crying, don't do you know, you want to hurt mommy. A lot of over talking comes with this parenting style, right? A ton of explanations, even to two-year-olds. I can't tell you the amount of times parents tell me, I'm trying to explain to my two-year-old that, you know, that we're weaning him off of nursing, or that we're having another baby, or that we're moving house, or that I don't like it when he hits me. And you know, really. Lecturing and using a ton of words with children who can't yet communicate in that kind of way. But this kind of over assumption, overestimation of our children's level of maturity often comes with this parenting style, which honestly is just a lack of understanding about childhood development and brain development. Um, it comes from a very you know, well-meaning place, all of these behaviors do, they come from a well-meaning place, we want to be kind, we want to be warm, we don't want to scare them, don't want to, you know, harm their self-esteem or, or diminish their confidence in any kind of way, however, they also just really misunderstand what kids often need, and the over-explaining and talking to a child as if they're 16 when they're two, it is often really, really just a misunderstanding of childhood development and of, you know, of what, what, uh, and also a misunderstanding I think of some peaceful and respectful parenting teachings because respectful parenting Ryan in particular talks about talking to children like they're adults. I believe what it means is talking in a normal tone of voice uh, with clear uh, real words um, and not you know baby talk and and also talking to them like saying things like I'm going to pick you up. It does not mean, in my opinion, giving them long, long-winded explanations on why hitting is, you know, morally offensive or uh, why that we're going to need to wean them. It doesn't mean long explanations of abstract concepts. That's not the meaning behind what Magda Gerber taught, in my opinion. And so that's another thing that comes with this permissive parenting style is a lot of words, a lot of explanation, a lot of justification, a lot of sacrifice. So a lot of sense of, I'm a bad mom. If I don't play with her, I'm a bad mom. If I say no, I'm a bad mom. If I make her sleep in her own bed or if I stop nursing, or if I don't give her the food she asked for, uh, a lot of fear, a ton of fear, a ton of guilt. And a big indicator of overparenting is burnout. If you are feeling burnt out, the chances are that you are overparenting. And the chances are that you are permissive as well. So, I am gonna guess that many of you listening might be feeling like, gulp, she's talking to me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> That's how I do it. That's how I feel. I'm definitely burnt out. And here's what I wanna say overparenting is exhausting. So, it's bad on two counts, it's not good for kids. And we're gonna talk about that next. But first, it's really not good for parents. It's not good for parents to be over-parenting. Guys, parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. You've gotta get up and do it all again tomorrow and the next day and for years to come. Of course, it changes and it evolves, but you have to understand that when you are overly, you know, specifically tediously busy with parenting all the time Uh, not just the regular things that everybody has to do like changing diapers and making meals and cleaning up and carpooling and all the tasks that come with parenting as it is could already exhaust you but my guess is what's really exhausting you is your mind racing all the time with over analysis, over judgment, over scrutiny of yourself, of your child, blaming yourself, guilting yourself. Why did she do this? Why did he behave like that? What, you know, don't others understand? But write just this extra, extra, never ending loop of thoughts around you know, parenting, of thoughts about parenting, of thinking about, you know, exactly what to do, exactly what to eat, exactly how to, overcomplication. Listen, parenting is complicated enough as it is. It's inherently challenging, it's inherently tiring, um, there's inherently a lot of tasks and to-dos on every single day. When you become this kind of overparent, yeah, and you you start to busy yourself in things that aren't part of the job description, it's kind of like taking on a job taking on a job, say, being, I don't know, a social media director, okay? You already have a lot of things you have to do. You have to post to Instagram, to Facebook, to Pinterest, follow up on comments, et cetera, right? That's what you're supposed to do in your job. But then you decide you're gonna be an accountant as well. And you decide (laughs) that you're also gonna redecorate the office. And like, no one asked you to do that. In fact, you might be disturbing those, uh, those teams who are tasked with that thing. So you feel like you're giving, 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 and you're giving so much to this company and how are they not appreciating you? But guess what? They're not going to pay you anymore. They're not paying you a dime more. No one asked you to do that. In fact, it's kind of disruptive and they didn't even want you to do that. In fact, they might really look at you and be like, can you sit down and settle down and just do your job? Just focus on doing your job well. Then we can talk about other uh, responsibilities. That's what it's like when you're over-parenting. In other words, there is a job description to parenting. There are things that you need to do. All of the other stuff, like diffusing tantrums, pleasing your child, keeping them busy, entertaining them, um, making them happy at all times, making sure everything's smooth, uh, correcting other people in how they should address your child and how they should talk to your child and crafting these perfect experiences and this perfect life for your child. All of that is not part of your job description. And in fact, it's pretty disruptive to your child. Overparenting is not a sustainable approach to parenting. It's why people come to me when they have two-year-olds and say, I can't do this anymore, I'm, I'm falling apart. After just two years of parenting, they feel... Completely burn out because they have taken on so many roles that are beyond the definition of this job. Of course, parenting isn't a job; it's a relationship. But I'm just using that analogy. Okay, so that's the first thing: is it's really bad for parents. It's a surefire way to burn out. It is not sustainable, um, and it makes us not enjoy parenting because when you take on things that you're not qualified for. That you know, they're not in your lane. You're not staying in your lane, you're taking on other people's jobs, like your child's job. It's your child's job to entertain themselves, you're taking that on. It's your child's job to choose how they feel about things, and you're taking that on. It's your child's job to decide to be happy or not to be happy, and you're taking that on. Oh man, you know, or it's other people's jobs to decide how they talk to your children and that kind of thing, and you're taking that on. Oh man, of course that is not sustainable. Of course, you you're not going to you're not going to enjoy it very much. You're going to feel completely burnt out and quick. But here's the other side to this sword, which is that overparenting is not good for children. It really isn't. We do it out of the goodness of our heart. We do it because we think that that is the definition of good parenting. Oh, but we're supposed to sit on the floor and play with them and talk to them all the time and be their best friends and say yes to everything they ask. I shouldn't say no, I shouldn't uh, reject them. I shouldn't abandon them. I'm gonna damage them uh, psychologically. Oh man, the level of stories and myths that people come up with around child psychology and child development and what they're supposed to be for their child is so debilitating to us parents and even more so to children. Children. When you think of your child as a fragile little being that needs you to do everything perfectly all the time and needs you to somehow protect them from discomfort, I'm not talking about protecting them from danger. That is your job. I'm not talking about protecting them from abuse. That is your job. Um, you do not need to protect them from disappointment. You do not need to protect them from tantrums or from crying or from boredom or from conflicts with their siblings or from, you know, arguments with their friends or from grandparents who say things a little bit less consciously than you do. That is not your job. And when your child sees that they are being perceived by their parents as someone who can't walk through the world, who can't manage on their own, who can't, isn't allowed to be sad or be frustrated or or weather disappointments, Um, when they see that you bend over backwards and turn yourself into a, 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 a doormat for them to walk all over just so that they can feel good, it props them up on a fragile glass scaffolding that will break. It props them up it uh, puts them on this very uncomfortable pedestal that doesn't allow them to stretch their muscles it bubble wraps them it overprotects them it, and it it really sends them the message that you're not capable your ideas are not worthy in and of themselves you need me to help you and to say yes all the time your um your uh, your resilience, your ability to handle emotional frustrations is zero. I need to protect you from that because you could die if you're sad. So I should make sure that you're not sad, right? It sends them this message that somehow they need a guardian and protector the whole time. And they do, you know, to make sure they don't run in the road or, you know, you know, choke on a marble that they need us to do. What they don't need us to do is to protect them from day-to-day frustrations, from boredom, from conflict, uh, from hearing the words "no" to certain things, uh, from limits, from boundaries, etc. Overparenting renders children very weak, very timid, very fragile, instead of teaching them that they are anti-fragile. That they are strong, that they are resilient, that they can handle it, that good enough is good enough, that uh, challenges are an opportunity to grow and get strong, not an opportunity to be weakened and traumatized somehow. Um, they are learning that they can't do those things, that they need, you know, they need someone else to do it for them. I can't entertain myself. I can't use my own imagination. I can't handle boredom. I can't handle rejection. I can't handle, um, you know, not getting my most preferred preference right now, because look, the proof is that mommy shows me I can't handle it. Mommy bends over backwards and does, you know, loops, (laughs) jumps through loops um, to make sure that I don't have to experience that. So it really must be that bad. I really must be that weak that I can't handle those things. So, overparenting is really not very good for children either. It doesn't let them spread their wings and fly. It doesn't let them step into independence. It doesn't let them develop their strengths and their muscles, uh, both physically and emotionally. It makes them feel very small. It keeps them very small. It keeps them very dependent. Um, and it just puts a ton of pressure on the entire family unit. The truth is that when we get involved in trying to keep our children happy, you know, one mother I spoke to recently, and lots of love to you if you're listening, was telling me about how she uh, spent her entire day diffusing tantrums. Her two-year-old is always trying to tantrum, and she's always trying to diffuse it and catch it. You know, okay, what did you want? You wanted the blue cup? Oh, you wanted different pants? Oh, you wanted us to go out now? You want to go on your bike? And she said, it's so exhausting and she can't handle it. And at the end of the day, she blows up at her husband or at herself or at her child because she's so tired and resentful that she spent the whole day diffusing tantrums. And I said to her, why? Why are you diffusing tantrums? To what end? Why are you stopping him from expressing his feelings? Let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, sometimes the child is waiting to let their feelings out. The child needs to poop out those emotions. If a child was holding in diarrhea all day, would you be diffusing that and trying to stop them and being like, okay, okay, I'll give you these pants. Okay, you can sit here. Just don't have diarrhea. Just don't do diarrhea. Or would you just sit them on the toilet and let them let it out? (laughs) And then everyone feels better. If you're trying to stop a child from tantrum all day, you're literally trying to stop a child from, not literally, but you're figuratively trying to stop a child from going to the toilet when they need to it's really not such a big deal. Everybody needs to do that sometimes and maybe once a day or twice a day it's just emotional digestion let them let it out and often we parents are so you know short-sighted that we think that the child is crying about the cup or about the sibling or about the toy the child is just waiting for an opportunity to cry to let out pent-up emotions and then we step into over analysis well why do they have those feelings why is he angry I do everything for him he has the most amazing life oh my goodness would you let it go I mean, with love, you guys know I love you, but with love, would you let it go? We don't control everything. We don't know all the reasons kids feel the way they feel. It's normal, it's okay. I mean, why does someone have diarrhea? Okay, it happens. You get a tummy bug, you eat the wrong thing, whatever. Are we gonna spend ages analyzing this or are we just gonna let it come out? And you know what? Tantrums aren't even diarrhea. They're just poop, okay? They're just regular day-to-day, healthy, normal expression of residue emotion that they don't need anymore. So why, why are you spending the day diffusing that? Of course you're exhausted. And of course, by the way, it doesn't work. Cause when you need to poop, eventually you need to poop. You're gonna have some serious health issues if your mom never lets you poop. So why not just let them let it out? Why not just hold the no, you know, no to the blue cup and just stay there until they finally get it out and they feel better afterwards. Why? Because when we're over-parenting, we take on roles that are not ours. We try to do things we meddle where we shouldn't be meddling. You should not be meddling in trying to get your child to be happy. Children are allowed to be sad. They're allowed to be angry. They're allowed to get those feelings out. And when we just step out of the way and let it happen, nothing terrible happens. Everybody feels better afterwards. It's just healthy. We also meddle in trying to entertain our children. And we think that, oh, if I, didn't, if I said no to playing, for example, that somehow I'm damaging my child. I don't know where we got this notion that we have to play with our kids. I don't think it's true. I think you should play with your kids when one condition occurs, when you want to. When you want to play with your kids, when you have mojo for it, when you're gonna do it with enthusiasm, with a whole heart, when you're gonna really show up and you're gonna be childlike yourself and get into the game, fine, do it. Or when you at least have the feeling of, I just wanna be like a play therapist, like just sitting there and observing and holding space and having special time, and really connecting, great, go for it don't do it because of tyranny. Don't do it because of demands. Your child does not need you to play with them. And in fact, when adults play with children, we're often very disruptive to their imagination. We start telling them, no, that's not the red one, that's the blue one. That doesn't go here, should we put that here? How about I'm the princess and you're the king? Right, we start to inflict upon them our ideas, our perceptions, our stories, our teachings. And we send them the message that they can't do it by themselves. They need our gross motor skills, our fine motor skills, our diction, our vocabulary, and that their play in and of itself is not worthy and that's why they become dependent on adult entertainment. You know, what a great big puppet for my play. If you can come and do it better, then why should I try? The truth is it's not our job to play with our kids unless you're doing so when you want to connect with your child, right? Special time, that kind of thing, great. But most of the time, you know, 80, 90% of the time, it's disruptive to children's play to play with them. And it teaches them that they can't do it for themselves, which is kind of tragic. It's kind of robbing them of that. Because of course they can. It's just that we're not letting them discover that. And it exhausts us. Let's be honest, you're sitting there thinking about your to-do list, thinking about everything else you wanna do and building resentment because, oh, I can't get anything done because this child's making me do this. Let me tell you something that I always say when people say, but if I don't want to play with my kid, but I do it anyway because I feel guilty. Here's what's really happening. You're telling your child, here's an invisible contract to sign. My part of the contract is that I'll have to play with you. And your part of the contract is you need to realize that I'm going to come begrudgingly. I'm going to sit there distracted and I'm going to start building resentment. It's going to Uh, fester and grow. And eventually I'm going to blow up at you when you do something wrong or you spill your milk. I'm going to yell at you because I gave you and gave you and gave you all of this time of playing. And the truth is I didn't want to give it. I didn't have it to give. My cup wasn't full enough. And now I'm exploding at you or at daddy or at mommy or at myself because resentment has built up. So is that a good contract? Is it worth it? Would you like to sign here? Of course, if the child knew the price that the relationship would pay to you begrudgingly playing, they would not sign. But the only reason that you're playing is because you're scared of the child's child's tantrum. You're scared that they're gonna cry and melt down and be sad. Why? Feelings are allowed. Tantrums are allowed crying is allowed, disappointment is allowed, hitting is not allowed, throwing, kicking, biting, destroying property, none of that is allowed, so you can always stop the behaviors. But the feelings are allowed. A child's allowed to be disappointed that you're not playing right now. That doesn't mean that you should play because your goal is not to help them avoid disappointment. They need to experience disappointment so that they can let out their feelings and so that they can learn that disappointment does not kill them, that they can handle it. We need to go through those uncomfortable thresholds. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is get really comfortable with discomfort, with your child's discomfort, with your child being disappointed in you, saying, I hate you, mommy, saying, you know, you're the worst ever, all of that stuff. It's okay, they're allowed to feel that way. That doesn't mean that you bend over backwards and give up on your own integrity or on your own self-care or on what you need right now to, you know, bend to their every whim So that you can avoid them having any uncomfortable feelings but believe me the uncomfortable feelings will come when that resentment builds and festers and you burn out or you lose it or you suddenly swing ultra authoritarian because suddenly you're like this child has no boundaries and now you're going to yell at them and punish them because you didn't hold your boundaries way back when when you were supposed to hold the boundary when it's easier to hold, when you're kind, when you're calm, when you're saying, yeah, I love you so much. I'm saying yes to you, my child, right? I'm saying yes to you, but I'm saying no to the game, right? Like, and, and the, here's the other thing is that many parents think, well, when, what do you mean? How am I gonna connect with my child? I'm, I'm supposed to play what they wanna play. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's authentic, you know, when you marry someone, you don't have to take on all of their interests. You don't have to play the video games they like and the music they like. And, you know, you, you just need to find the ways that you connect the things that you enjoy doing together. And I bet you have that with your kid. Maybe for you, it's not playing mermaids, it's reading or building Lego or going on a hike or snuggling at bedtime or baking together. It does not have to be through child's imagination play, which is a chore for many adults. Why? Because it's not our job. (laughs) It's not our job to do that. There are some ultra playful adults that it's totally within their zone of genius. And that's what they love doing. Great. Go for it. I don't do imaginary play. I mean, when I do, I'm the most boring partner ever. Because my, you know, my daughter will be like, you're the guard and I'm the princess. And I'll be like, okay. And then I carry on about my business. And she's like, but you're the guard. And I'm like, yeah. And the guard is currently cooking dinner. (laughs) and that's it, I don't get involved, I don't get activated, I don't feel obliged to step into that world with her if it doesn't feel authentic, if I'm not going to do it from the creative, you know, connected, loving energy of my heart, I don't want to lie to her like that, and I don't want to make her think that she can't play her game without me, or with me just as a, you know, stand in as a warm body, (laughs) she can And there are so many other ways that we connect and that we attach. It doesn't have to be through a way that doesn't feel very available to me. And that will burn me out and that will build resentment, that I will get annoyed and afterwards I'll say, I give and give and give, right? None of us wanna get there. I guess my message to you today is if you can self-diagnose yourself as over-parenting, I wanna offer you this, sit back sit back. There are enough tasks that you have to do every day. There are enough ways that you connect with your child. Sit back from taking on the responsibility of their feelings. Sit back from taking on the responsibility of their entertainment. Sit back from trying to protect them from other people's, you know, unskillfulness. You'll protect them from the really big stuff. But all the little things you have got to sit back you've got to let those disappointments and imperfections happen they're important they're necessary they're what build anti-fragility and they're not your job i'll leave you with this one when a, when you see a lioness i'm going to i'm going to actually leave you with two animal stories okay i'll start with the gibbons i've said this before uh, when i went a long time ago to a zoo and i saw a cage with gibbons type of Um, And there was a mother, an adopted newborn from a different zoo and a toddler. And the toddler was really, really, really annoying the newborn. And he was, you know, throwing things at him and picking on him and pinching him and just like really very, very human um, looking behavior. And the mother just kind of yelled at the toddler just once in a while, every so often, you know, she was just chilling. And every so often she'd be like and kind of wave a finger at him and push him off the, the newborn. And I was really struck by how instinctive this mother was. You know, she wasn't like, oh, she wasn't over-analyzing. Did I say it in the wrong tone of voice? Am I traumatizing him? Did I desensitize? him? Did I hurt his self-esteem? Um, you know, did I say it in the exact right words that I learned from the book? She just had her gut. She just had her intuition. She trusted herself. She said what she needed to say and she didn't overcomplicate it. Uh, You know, we can all strive and we all should strive in our human form to be mindful and to be good communicators. And I definitely don't believe that this comes naturally. Okay, we're not gibbons. We have been um, conditioned into certain violent communication patterns and that kind of thing. And I definitely think we should work to dispel those. But we're also just animals. We also just have our reactions and we don't need to overanalyze and overhold ourselves responsible for all these little... You know, day to day human interactions that are just simple and honest and authentic. Um, they're not, don't make things bigger than they need to be. Don't over dramatize. Don't maximize. Like, oh no, I'm so guilty and I feel so bad because I raised my voice. Yes, okay, we all do. You'll try differently next time. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. You know, take it from a Gibbon who just responds and isn't so taken up with how she responds you know, and this is coming from someone who reads, you know, hundreds of parenting books and cares deeply about my communication style. I think you need to detach from the part of you that is really working on growth and the part of you that's a humanoid and is going to make those mistakes and just accept that that's part of the journey. Don't beat yourself up around that. It's just not helpful and it's unrealistic. The second thing is the lioness. And I've said this recently, but when you uh, imagine a lioness and her cubs, and the cubs are roughhousing and, you know, gnawing at each other and biting and clawing and rolling all around and making complete havoc, what is the lioness doing? That's right, my friends. The lioness is rolling back and lying in the sun and, you know, sunbathing. And I want us to embody a little bit of that energy, all of us over-parents, over-parenting parents. Lie back and sunbathe a little bit. Let those things go a little bit, yeah? We've got to sit back on our, on our thrones, sit back on our seats, sit back in our centered, grounded places where we're not so overly, specifically, tediously, busy, busy, busy with minutia with little day-to-day normal developmental things that happen and that pass and that just are, and you don't need to analyze them, excuse them, mold them, shape them, you know, change them. You just need to let them be. You need to lie back. You need to preserve your energy because for the big things you're gonna show up and for the day-to-day tasks you're gonna show up, you do not need to show up to all of those things that you've taken on, but that quite frankly, aren't your job.